we're in the middle of a series called the Portraits of Our Savior, which is why you see portraits of Jesus here behind me. Because sometimes, the reason why we do this is because sometimes when we hear that Jesus saves, we tend to think of Jesus as saving us from our sins, kind of like a rescue mission. And we talked about that last week. But what the gospel does is the gospel reveals to us that the saving work of Jesus is far more extensive. It's far more multifaceted. And the reason why it's important for us to see this truth is because of what Jesus promised in John 10.10. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The more fully we know who Jesus is, the more fully we can live into the life that he gave to us. And that's the reason why we're on this series. So last week we unpacked how Jesus our Savior is also Jesus our Restorer. So this week we'll unpack how Jesus the Savior is also our Rabbi, not rabbit, Rabbi. The word rabbi is a Hebrew word for my master or my teacher. Because their main job is to interpret God's law for the people. In other words, the rabbi is the mediator of God's revelation. That's what a rabbi does. And as with last Sunday, I'm going to start with a statement. And if you're, if you're tracking with me this week, this is a really good week, by the way, to track on FCC.live, the sermon notes, because you're going to need it. Okay, and this is one of those times where you will want to take notes. As with last Sunday, I'm going to start with a statement. Jesus didn't come to give us a religion. He came to give us revelation. In John 1.18, the Bible says this, No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, Jesus Christ, the Son, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Why is this important for us to talk about today? Now, if you read the news or if you've seen the latest Australian census, or even if you're just looking anywhere around the world, wherever you're joining us, you will see that there is a trend that young Christians, young people are increasingly disillusioned about the Christian faith. And many of them are leaving the churches in droves. Maybe because for far too long, we, and I say we because I consider myself next generation, I'm young enough, Maybe for far too long, when we look at churches, what we see are big personalities. What we see are picture-perfect pastors. What we see are catchy, here, catchy praise songs. We see big productions. We see sleek programs. We hear overused punchlines in sermons. For far too long, we, we, that's, that's what the church has made it about. Now, nothing wrong with these unless we make these things, the make, we make the mistake of making these things the main thing. But there is hope, because in 2019, there was a global survey done by Barna and World Vision, and it indicates that even though the next generation are growing tired of organized religion, most of them, 73% of them, are still seeking spirituality. I don't know if there's a chance that you could put the slide up there. But the the results of the survey shows that 73% of young people are still seeking spirituality. And in another research on the next generation in America, it's published in a book called Growing Young. It shows that even though many young people are apathetic to religion, they don't care about religion anymore, but they're increasingly attracted to the person of Jesus Christ. And in fact, many more young people are coming to faith through a deeper or dare I say a renewed understanding of who Jesus is. And that's incredible, that's good news for us. But should that be a surprise? 
Of course not. Mahatma Gandhi is thought to have said, I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. If all Christians acted like Christ, the whole world would be Christian. You see, Jesus didn't come to give us a religion. He came to give us revelation of who God is. Because when we see Jesus, we will know how loving He is and how loved we are. When we see Jesus, we see a God who is loving, powerful, merciful, and yet all good. Colossians 1.15 says this to us, the Son, Jesus Christ, He is the image of the invisible God. And that's why we're going through this series on the portraits of the Savior, so that we can see Jesus better. Amen. The truth is this, the troubles of this generation cannot be resolved and it will not be fixed by better worship. It will not be fixed by better preachers. It will not be fixed by better productions or bigger church buildings. The only answer to the next generation is a deeper revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're talking about this. And if you're ready for the Word of God, let's pray. God, would you come and reveal your Son, Jesus Christ, to us. Help us to better know Him so that we can better serve Him, better love Him, and live for Him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today's sermon is what I call a to-do sermon, which means to say, at the end of the sermon, you will have things to do. It is something that you need to not only think about and hear today, but you need to begin to practice regularly. Amen. So where do we start? Let's start with the story of a man in the Bible named Nicodemus. Nicodemus, who's on this side of the stage. So Nicodemus, he had a quest to understand Jesus. And in that quest to understand Jesus, he began to found faith in Jesus. In John 3, it records this for us, the story of Nicodemus. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. He actually believed that. For no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. How can someone be born when they're, when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Because the wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you don't understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. And what I found is that characteristic of the next generation. Nicodemus was an intellectual man on an intellectual quest for God. He embodies what an influential Christian thinker once said, 
what I believe in my heart must make sense in my mind. And rather than dismissing Nicodemus, you know, Jesus didn't say, oh, you of little faith, don't you get it? Oh, you, don't you understand even now? Come on, Nicodemus. Instead of dissing Nicodemus off, what we see Jesus doing, he's actually affirming him and he's actually giving him time, paying attention to have a conversation with him in the middle of the night. Now, if you showed up at my house in the middle of the night wanting to hear more about the Bible, I don't know if I want to talk to you. But Jesus did. He entertained Nicodemus through the night. So the way that Jesus encountered and engaged Nicodemus is very different from what we saw last week in Mary Magdalene, wasn't it? He didn't restore Nicodemus. He didn't create signs, wonders, and miracles. He didn't drive out demons. He didn't heal Nicodemus. But what he did was to help him understand what he already senses in his heart. Jesus the Savior is also Jesus the Rabbi. He does that for us. And it's the same for many of us. Some, but not many, I mean, some, but not all. The way Jesus encounters us is through our minds. Some of us, we find incredibly deep joy in opening up the Bible and reading it and understanding it. We find great joy in finding the context of the scripture, reading and digging deeper. We find great joy in deeply thinking about the things of God. And I'll be honest, I'm a lot like that. But a word of warning for those of us who are like that. Notice I said that Jesus encounters us through our minds and not in our minds. It's because if it's all about the mind, then there is no place for faith. You understand what I'm saying? That's why Jesus reminds Nicodemus at the end of his conversation how important it is to believe. In verse 12, he said this, I've spoken to you of earthly things and you don't believe? How then will you believe? In verse 15, he says, then everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And in verse 16, John 3, 16, famous words, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, what? Believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. How important it is to believe, not just up here, but here. And that same Christian thinker, he also said this, God put enough into the world to make faith in Him a reasonable thing. You can reason for it. But He left enough out to make it impossible to live by reason alone. So how can we grow our faith through our understanding? Today we're going to unpack the story of Nicodemus. And I want to give us just three simple steps to how we can grow our faith through our understanding. I call it the ABCs of growing our faith through understanding. A, B, and C. You ready? Number one, A. A is ask questions. A for ask questions. You see, Nicodemus went to Jesus and he asked two questions. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. How is the key word? Start by asking questions. You wanna grow your faith? You want to grow your understanding? Start by asking questions. Remember that 12-year-old Jesus who was lost in the temple and his mom and dad left him behind, traveled halfway across Israel three days later only to realize, where is our son? I hope you'll never do that. You're halfway on a road trip. Where is my child? And then they panicked. And then they went back to the temple to try to find Jesus. And remember what happened in, in the temple when they found Jesus? Luke records this for us in Luke 2, 47. 
When they found Jesus, when mom and dad found Jesus in the temple, everyone who had heard Jesus was amazed at his understanding and answers. Sometimes when we read that verse, we think, wow, Jesus must have been so amazing because he understands everything. He knows the answers to everything. Is that true? I don't think that's completely true. Read the verse before that with me. In verse 46, it says, after three days, mom and dad found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers. What was he doing? Listening to them and asking them questions. So what made Jesus amazing? It wasn't just the fact that he knew, but it was what he did. First, he listened with the intent to learn. And he was asking questions so that he could understand. That's what's so amazing about the young Jesus. And as a pastor, sometimes people come up to me and they're so eager to tell me how much they know. And can I just be honest? I'm actually less impressed by how much they know than how much they want to know. You see, Jesus exemplifies that for us. He exemplifies the desire to want to know. The Son of God was no show-off. Jesus was a seeker. He's asking questions. He was asking questions and he was listening intently. And I hope we can all be more like Jesus in that aspect. Amen. Now, if how is the key word, then humility is the key posture. Nicodemus in the Bible, a.k.a. Israel's rabbi. Okay, Jesus called him, you're Israel's teacher. Nicodemus is the teacher of all Israel. Can you imagine the pastor of Australia? Can you imagine the prime minister of, um, not America, America doesn't have a prime minister, the president of America, Israel's teacher. He's the teacher of Israel. He came in the middle of the night to approach Jesus, a.k.a. nobody's rabbi. Israel's rabbi came to nobody's rabbi and he came and he called him my teacher. Wow, what great humility. It reminds me of Pastor Benny who's not here. You see, and I'll let you in on a little secret to what we do as a preaching team, a group of us. So a few of us preach uh, in, in FCC, don't we? And what we do every Tuesday afternoon, all right, this is a secret, but I'm letting you know now. No, now. Every Tuesday we meet for a meeting and the person who's going to be preaching on the coming Sunday will present his or her sermon and then the rest of us who are in the preaching team will give feedback comments questions and feedback will help the person to make that that sermon even better and even more coherent that's what we do a few years ago pastor Benny was in one of those meetings and he was about to preach a sermon on Sunday so he went through the sermon with us on Tuesday and we gave him so much feedback we gave him so many questions. We gave him so many comments. Pastor, maybe you could have said this better. Pastor, maybe you could have done this better. Pastor, what do you mean by this? And all of us are much younger and definitely more, more green, right? You know that. Pastor Benny has got 40 years of experience preaching. And I remember at the end of that meeting, Pastor Benny took back all the feedback. He wrote it down and he says, I'll go back and I'll work on it. And then Pastor Dave was asked to pray for him. So Pastor Dave prayed for him. And after that, Pastor Dave said, thank you, Pastor, for taking all the advice from us newbies. That's Pastor Benny. What great humility. After 40 years of preaching, he's still learning, he's still growing. And to our amazing next generation in Faith Community Church, Kinetic Vibe and Impact. Do you wanna grow your faith? then you need to have humility. 
The truth is, we don't know what we don't know. Isn't that true? And what we know, we only think we know. And by the way, it's okay to think. It's okay to have doubts. Because doubts is not a problem to your faith. Doubt is actually not toxic to faith. Silence is actually toxic to faith. When you don't ask those questions that you're not sure of, when you have those doubts but you're not talking to your leaders or your parents, that is toxic to your faith. You need to ask those questions and come humbly and ask. So be ready to learn. The Bible says in Matthew 7, verse 7, Jesus teaches us this. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Let me unpack this passage a little bit. Ask in the Greek is called the word aiteo, not I tell you, aiteo. Aiteo means to desire, to beg, to crave for. It's not just how are you. It's not just what did Jesus say and then you read the Bible. It is much deeper. It's a craving, a desire, a want to know more. It's not just what did Jesus say, but why did my Savior say that? Why is God like that? I wanna know more about God. It's not just what can I read off the Bible. That's the attitude that we have when we come asking. I wanna know more. And after you find out, seek. In the Greek is zeteo, which means to seek, search out, to find out, to investigate, not just to take it at face value. Pastor Dan said this on Sunday, so that's what we're gonna do. No, go back, check it out, research. Go Google, ask your leaders, ask your pastors, ask your parents, find out. It means that after you find your answer, dig deeper, think it through. Finally, knock is the Greek word, cruel, revelation. It means to knock, knock. Not a revelation right here, but what is revelation? What is a revelation is, it tells us to take the initiative. Don't wait for your leaders or your pastors or your parents to come and knock on your door and say, what do you think about this? No, you take the initiative to knock on the door of your parents, to knock on the door of your leaders, to knock on the door of your pastors and ask them, what does this mean? I read this on the week, during the week, tell me more. You take the initiative to knock. That's what it means. And Jesus says in verse eight, he promises to us this, he says that, for everyone who asks, not just ask, like, how are you, but ask this way, the way that we talked about. When you ask with a desire to learn, you will receive. When you seek and you search deeper, you will find. To the one who knocks for answers, the door will be open to you. That's what it means. So let's do that. So I've spoken with the next generation. Can I now speak to the rest of us? Those of us who are parents, those of us who are leaders, all right, I've got some things to say. How do we respond to other people who are asking us questions? Two things, have patience and have humility. Number one, have patience. Have patience with your kids and your members when they're asking you those questions. Clarity of language, listen to what I'm saying. Clarity of language and thought is very important to the next generation. When they ask questions like, what is the meaning of revival? Why is the church using words like revival? What does that mean? When they're asking questions like, what is slain in the spirit? What does that mean? When they're asking questions like, what do you mean by faith alone? What do you mean? When they're asking questions like, what is sanctification? 
They're asking questions not because they want to jibe at you, but it's because what they want to do is to learn the meaning of tradition-laden religious words. What they're doing is they're digging around the soil of religion so that they can rediscover what the Bible, what the Word of God says about Jesus Christ. That's what they're doing. So be patient with them. And like Nicodemus, that's what they're doing. They're asking questions to dig around those things and to find out the truth. It's a good thing because they're seeking the revelation of Jesus rather than the religion of Christianity. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's a good thing. Have patience. Jesus didn't come to give us religion. Remember, he came to give us revelation. So have patience. And number two, have humility when answering your kids or your members. If you don't know the answer, just say you don't know. Don't pretend to know. What is revival? Re, re means again. So vival means survival. Maybe it's like something like survival. So revival means you survive again. It, it means revival. That's what it means. If you don't know, say you don't know. Just say, I'll get back to you. I'll find out more. And if you do know, then learn more in order to grow more. All leaders are learners. And the moment we fail to learn, we will fail to lead well. I'll tell you why. Because you are the glass ceiling for your kids and for the people that you lead. Jesus says this in Luke 6, 40. The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. What does that mean? A student can only grow to the level of the teacher. When he or she is fully trained, he or she will be like the teacher. The teacher is the glass ceiling for the student. That is what it means. So how do we help our kids and our members to keep growing in their faith? One way is to keep lifting their glass ceiling, i.e. you and me. We keep lifting the glass ceiling by growing ourselves, by growing our own faith and our understanding of Jesus Christ. And how do you do so? Ask Seek, knock. That's what we do. And don't count on yourself. Zechariah 4, 6 reminds us, not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord God Almighty. So do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. So number one, ask questions. Okay, I hope we're understanding one another a little bit more. Number two, be open. Look at what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Jesus replied to Nicodemus, very truly I tell you, and then he answered again, very truly I tell you. And then he said one more time, very truly I tell you. Jesus starts his replies to Nicodemus with very truly, three times. Why did he do so? It's not because Jesus is like you and me. Sometimes we tell, we tell the truth and sometimes we don't, right? Have you ever seen kids do this? Your kids come up to you and say, Mom, honestly, it wasn't me. I didn't put my hands into the cookie jar. Honest. Really, really, I handed up my homework today. I did my homework, really. I swear I didn't hit my little brother. I swear. Now, Jesus is not like that. When Jesus says very truly, it's not because there's sometimes he says the real stuff and sometimes he doesn't. No, what he's doing here is actually far more deeper. It's because Jesus knows that Nicodemus is on a quest for truth. And what Jesus is doing is he's preempting Nicodemus' heart to be open to a revelation that will shake him to the core. 
So he says, Nicodemus, you be ready for this. Nicodemus, you ready? Very truly, I tell you. Nicodemus, amen, amen. Very truly, I tell you, you listen to this because it's going to shake you. Something I learned is this. A genuine revelation of Jesus Christ will always challenge us. If it doesn't challenge you, if you think you receive a revelation from God today, and it doesn't challenge you to change, it doesn't challenge you to be more transformed like Jesus, then challenge it. Because it's not a revelation from Jesus. You see, if God gives us a revelation, and in the revelation, God sounds like you, God thinks like you, God agrees with you, then your God is you. It's not God. A genuine revelation from Jesus always challenges us to change. God's revelation always challenges us to change. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says this. For the word of God, every time God speaks, is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrows. Many of us memorize it up to this point. Do you know how the verse ends? It says this. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. God's revelation always shines a spotlight on our hearts and shows us where we need to change and transform in order to be more like Jesus. That's what God does in His revelation. Church, we still doing okay? Yes? You still love me? Yes? Not too hard-hitting, is it? All right. I love you guys as well. Jesus didn't come to give us a religion. He came to give us revelation. So be open to two things, just two things to begin with. Number one, be open to God's Word. In John chapter 8, verse 31 to 32, Jesus said this. To the Jews who had believed in Him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know, tru- then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We memorize the last line, so many of us. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But how many of us memorize the verse before that, verse 31? We think that knowing God's truth equals freedom. But that's not what Jesus is actually saying. If you read verse 31, then what it says is, Jesus is what Jesus is really saying is that real freedom requires not just knowing God's truth, but holding on to it receiving it, obeying it, keeping it in your life. In other words, God's revelation plus our receptivity equals real freedom. It's not just God's revelation, it's our receptivity. How open are you to the revelation of God to change your life, to be more like Jesus? That is gonna be, that's gonna be what it takes to set you free. So number one, be open to God's word, receive it. Number two, be open to God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. In John 16, Jesus said this, All this I have spoken to you. He's talking to his disciples here after spending three years with them. All this I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. What Jesus is essentially saying here is, I gave you revelation while I am here with you. But when I am gone, the Holy Spirit will continue to give you revelation and remind you of all the revelation that I had given you before. 
Sometimes we think the Holy Spirit is just a signs, wonders, and miracles person. Sometimes we think the Holy Spirit is just a power of God. He's just a miracle worker of God. No, man. Jesus is telling us he can teach too. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. Jesus, the rabbi, is essentially passing on the baton right here to the Holy Spirit, the rabbi. He is your teacher. So brothers and sisters, if we're not open to God's spirit, then we cannot keep growing in our revelation of Jesus. That's what it means. So practically, how does that look like? Pastor Dan, what does that look like? Being open to the Holy Spirit. I'll just tell you very quickly what you can do every day in your life. Practically, this means, number one, asking the Holy Spirit to teach you every day. Every new morning when you are brushing your teeth or when you just woke up from your bed, you're climbing out of your, of your, of your bed, pray and ask, Holy Spirit, would you come and reveal Jesus in my life today? Can you come and teach me? Number one, ask. Number two, after you ask, attend to Him, which means pay attention to Him. Attend to the Holy Spirit's instruction every moment of your life. Don't be like that soccer player who's playing soccer and is so deep into the game that his coach is shouting instructions for 90 minutes the whole time, shouting the instructions from the sideline, but the soccer player is so caught up in his own game that he cannot follow instructions. Don't be like that. The Holy Spirit is shouting instructions from the sideline every moment of our lives. Are we paying attention? Are we attending to Him? Number one, ask. Number two, attend. Number three, acknowledge the Holy Spirit, your teacher, every night. At the end of every night, when you're praying on your bed, beside your bed, think and thank Him. What did the Holy Spirit teach me today? And you pray and you thank Him. Holy Spirit, thank you for teaching me about that part of my life that I needed to change, to be more like Jesus. Thank you for reminding me how wretched I am, how bad I am to other people. Thank you. So ask, attend, and acknowledge the Holy Spirit, the teacher, every night. Jesus didn't come to give us? Jesus didn't come to give us? Wrong. Jesus didn't come to give us revelation. He, he also gave us the Holy Spirit for revelation. Got you right there. <laughs> Real good. Number one, ask questions. Number two, be open. Last but not least, number three. Commit to action. It says in John 3, verse 2, that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Nicodemus came to Jesus in the middle of the night, quietly, secretly, in the dark, in the shadows. Why? I mean, yes, he was unsure. Yes, he had doubts. He wasn't sure where he stood with Jesus. He had questions, so he came to Jesus. Remember we said doubts and questions is not toxic to faith. It's actually the seedbed of faith. So he did okay. He, he went to Jesus. But he also had another problem. You see, he had a title to live up to. He's Israel's teacher. He had a status to uphold. Many people respect him. He has many students. He has a job to upkeep. In other words, there was a lot at stake for Nicodemus. That's why he went to Jesus in the night, not in the day, where no one could see him. He wasn't ready to commit to Jesus in that night, in that moment. So the Bible leaves it open. We don't know what happened to Nicodemus at the end of chapter three. We don't know what he said, whether he believed or not. But I believe that Nicodemus went to Jesus looking for religion that day, but he found a revelation of Jesus. 
Because you see later on Nicodemus, there are other episodes of Nicodemus where you can see his life begins to change. And I'll show you. John chapter 7, verse 47 to 52. What happened was Jesus had healed a blind man and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law that day, in those days that they were the people in power, they didn't like Jesus. So they wanted to catch Jesus. They asked the temple guards, can you go and catch him? Bring Jesus here so that we can interrogate him. And so the guards went to look for Jesus and they saw Jesus and they decided, man, we can't catch this guy. There's something different about him. So the gods went back to the Pharisees and the Pharisees were very upset, obviously, at the gods. So what the Pharisees said to the gods is this, you mean he, Jesus, has deceived you also? The Pharisees retorted, have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob, this crowd, this people, they don't know nothing of the law. There is a curse on them. And Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier, who was one of their own number, one of the Pharisees, he, uh, he did this. Um, guys, uh, actually, <laughs> uh, actually, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? He was standing up for Jesus in the midst of his own colleagues. And what did they do? They replied to him and they mocked him. Are you from Galilee too? Are you from the north of the country that you don't know anything? You're uneducated? Look into it and you will find that a prophet doesn't ever come out of Galilee. So Nicodemus, who in John chapter three, who once didn't know where he stood with Jesus, begins to stand up for Jesus. That's what he does. And later on in, verse, in chapter 19 of John, when Jesus had died on the cross and his body was hung on the cross, now it was humiliating for a Jewish person's body to be hung on a cross and not to be buried. So two people said, we're not gonna let Jesus be humiliated and this is what they did. And we read in chapter 19, verse 38. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. He asked the governor, the Roman governor, for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but only secretly. He's another one, hey? He's a disciple, but he's a secret disciple because he feared the Jewish leaders. Same with Nicodemus back then. With Pilate's permission, Joseph came and took the body away. He was accompanied by, oh, who is this? Nicodemus. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had earlier visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, which by the way are spices that you would use to bury someone, to give them an honorable barrier. But, but look at what happens. It's not just a little bit. It's about 75 pounds, i.e. 34 kilograms of spice. That's huge. That's probably enough to buy a few bungalows in Israel at that time. Some of us don't even weigh 34 kilograms. That amount of spices is only reserved for kings. Do you know what I'm saying? Nicodemus is giving enough aloe and myrrh to bury a king. So taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it up with the spices in strips of linen. This was in, in accordance with Jewish burial customs. Nicodemus, who once called Jesus Rabbi, now he counts Jesus as king. 
do you see what's happening here? Jesus showed Nicodemus a revelation. And Nicodemus shows us that revelation must lead to action. Because friends, there must come a point of time in our quest for understanding when our search for truth requires a step of faith. When reasoning must lead to believing, when knowing must lead to following, where deliberating must lead to doing, and where revelation must lead to action. That's what it means. And I'll close off with this, the words of Jesus. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, says Jesus, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Because many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, they know Jesus, 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 we know your name. Lord, Lord, you are the Lord. Did we not prophesy your name? Did we not do signs, wonders, and miracles? Did we not in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? They're saying, Jesus, I did all those things in your name. I know you, Jesus. But Jesus says to them plainly, but I don't know you. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. What is Jesus saying here? Not everyone who receives the revelation of Jesus, not everyone who receives the knowledge of Jesus, not everyone who knows about Jesus will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of the Father. What is the will of the Father, you ask? Jesus says this in John 6. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son who sees Him, who knows Him, who is able to understand Him and believes in Him shall have eternal life. I will raise them up on the last day. Jesus' will, God's will, the Father's will is that we both see, we understand, we know who Jesus is and we believe in Him. Young people, listen to me carefully right now. <laughs> listen to the words that I'm about to say. Just because you know about Jesus doesn't mean that you are following Jesus. Just because you grew up in a Christian family, a Christian home, doesn't mean you get a hall pass to heaven. Just because you're doing church today, you're coming every week, and you're showing up, you're worshiping, you're singing those songs, you're reading your Bible. Just because you're doing church today doesn't mean you're doing God's will. You will not make it to heaven on the basis of your parents or your leader's faith. You will not make it to heaven on the basis of your understanding how much you know about Jesus. You need to put your faith, your own faith in Him. You need to believe in Him for yourself and say, yes, I will put my faith in Jesus Christ. It's not about how much I know about Him. It's about following Him and putting my faith in Him. Jesus didn't come to give us a religion. He came to give us revelation that will lead us to action. So yes, we need to ask those questions. Yes, we need to be open. 
Yes, we need to do all those things, but ultimately we need to commit to action. Do you catch what I'm saying, church? So church, I want all of us, now maybe just put aside your, your notebooks, put aside your bags, free your hands up, church. What I want all of us to do, young or mature, anyone in city campus, you're watching online at home, or you're in the auditorium today in Williton, I want all of us young and mature to start committing to action. Start committing. Start here. Start today. So if that's you and you want to commit to knowing God more and growing in your understanding, which is actually all of us, eh? If you want to commit to growing your faith and understanding God more, in reading the Word, in knowing Him more, you want to grow your faith, I invite you to just stand where you are, wherever you're at. If that's your commitment to Jesus, say, God, I want to know you more. You're already a Christian. You're not a Christian. doesn't matter. But you're saying, God, I want to grow my faith through a deeper understanding of your son, Jesus Christ. Stand where you are right now. City campus as well. Stand where you are right now as a commitment to God. Not to me. Not to the people around you. But to God. I'm committing to action what I've heard today, God. And I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow in my understanding. Now, if you're standing up, or even if you're sitting down, and you're not a Christian, and by that I mean you've never seriously put your faith in Jesus Christ for yourself, or you're not sure if you're a Christian, because maybe you went to church before, but you don't know where you stand with God, because you've been away from God for some time. If that's you, I want you to raise your hands where you are. Just raise your hands where you are. I want to pray with you. If you're not a Christian, or if you're unsure where you stand in Christ right now, just raise your hand. City campus, you as well. I'm gonna take my time just to scan the room a little bit so I don't miss anyone out. Raise your hands high up so I can see it. I don't wanna miss you. I wanna know who I'm praying for today. I see one hand right there, young man. I see your hand right there. Keep, keep it right there. I love it, I love it. Keep your hand right there. A young boy, I love that. Is there anyone else? Over there, someone's pointing me. Is there anyone there? Right there. Oh, yes. Thank you, sir. I see the hand right there. Okay. Oh, the hands that I can't see, apparently. <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. I, 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 oh, wait, hang on. Um, just let me see right there. Uh, I'm missing a hand up there, aren't I? Could you wave your hand at me if, that, if, if, if your hand is up, just so that I know who I'm praying for? Just wave your hand. I, I see the hand there, right there, sir. Thank you very much. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. And City Campus, you keep your hands up as well. For those of us who have your hands up, I want to pray with you that you will begin to put your faith in Jesus Christ today. Amen. So church, would you bow your heads? Let's pray together. Would you say these words together with me and all our friends who are raising their hands? Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I, commit I commit my life into your hands. I now put my faith in Jesus Christ. I know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And what that means is Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I need Him in my life. So now I welcome Jesus into my life. And I begin to put my faith in Him. Help me to grow, me to grow. 
in my understanding and my faith. Help me to grow in my revelation of Jesus Christ, that I may live right, that I may believe right, that I may follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen and Amen. Would you give the Lord a big hand?